Sunday, I'll, Angie and I took a, a time off, and I want to thank Caleb for stepping in and going through the Kairos moment and teaching all around the circle, and I've heard nothing but good that came out of last week. But I'm excited to be able to share with you this Sunday is um, what I'm going to be uh, talking about today is that a few months ago, and right, really over the last few years, Caleb and I have been attending a discipleship ministry called 3DM. And through that process, we've been learning a lot of things. And, but the last session that we went to, it made us uh, look at the vision statement that we've had at Gratis. And our vision statement, I don't even know if you could tell it to me right now, but it's real people making a real difference in real life. That's the vision that we've had. Our purpose has been to glorify God and advance his kingdom, and our mission is to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Well, we looked at that vision statement, and we said, you know, it's, it's a great statement. It's almost like a slogan, but it's not really telling what the vision of, of what gratis should be. And so we've been, we've been praying, and then, of course, we had the week of prayer and fasting, and so out of that has come this message for today. And so I'm going to be sharing with you, and this is exciting stuff, y'all. This is a brand new vision statement that God's given us to take from this day forward. And part of it is going to encourage you. Uh, part of it is going to convict you. Uh, but that's just the way God's word is. He, uh, he's just that way. And so I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me. Our text is going to be Luke chapter 6. Uh, verses 12 through 19. But we're going to be using um, a model, and they teach you, and the, the reason it's called 3DM is they use the shapes, and it's so much easier to learn with shapes. And so the shape we're going to be using today is the triangle. And so it's going to be teaching three things that we're going to discover today. It's up, and then it's in, and then it's out. And so our vision statement is going to be based off of this triangle, and it'll be easier for you to remember, okay? Do y'all like th for things to make it easier for you to remember? Okay. Do y'all like things that make it easier for you to remember? Yes, yes man. Give it to me. I, you know, a lot of times um, people ask me all the time, how do you remember people's names? Well, I, I've tried to say their names several times when I'm talking to them, and then I also try to remember something about them and their name that links them to that. And some people say, well, I can remember a face, but I just can't remember a name, man. I'm one of those people. And they, they're doing good, they say, to even remember my family members' names. But, but anyway, you can do it. You really can, but it's linking things to that uh, particular person or shape. And so we've got the up and the in and the out. We're going to see that in this text today as we read it. So... Let's turn to the Word of God and see what he has to say to us. Jesus is speaking here, and it was, at, it was at this time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. 
And then Jesus came down with them, and he stood on a level place. And there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him, and he healed and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch Jesus. All of them were. For power was coming from him and healing them all. So we're going to be using this text as our basis for our new vision statement for Gratis Church. The up part is found in verse 12. It says that Jesus went to the mountain to pray. And he spent all night in prayer to God. Now, you know, when you go to a mountain, you're going in which direction? You're going up. And that's exactly, you know, many, many folks like to go up into, you know, the mountains and Mount Yona and different places and make the hike up there. And you can even go up into the North Georgia mountains. But the one thing that I want you to see in the up part, this is our relationship with God, our Father. And so what's important with this, this is, this is crucial. And Jesus had this right, okay? This is what Jesus focused on, was his relationship with his Father. And as a man, that was what was most important to him. And that's what must be most important to us as well. This is where we develop our intimacy. You know, the thing, when you study the life of Jesus, you're going to see something. And so the first part of our vision statement that we came up with is, is, is this. The up part is where we live like Jesus. We live like Jesus. So make sure you write this down. I'm not going to test you on it later, but I want it to sink into your memory. We live like Jesus. So what did Jesus live like? Well... Once he gets on the scene with these disciples, a part of Jesus' routine every morning before it was day, daylight, he went away into the wilderness to pray. Now, this is, this is God in the flesh, okay? And I've often thought, why did Jesus go away to pray? I mean, he's God. The reason he went away early in the morning before anybody else was up was he wanted time alone with his father. Bruce, I see Bruce nodding that head. You know what we're talking about, don't you? How many of uh, that brother, he always tells me, my shop is where I go. His shop. He goes down to his shop. He spends time with God right there. You need to have a place that in a priority of knowing this is essential in my walk with God. This is how Jesus lived, and he, he went and he prayed. And part of that time, of course, he would praise his Father for all kinds of things. But the one thing I wanted to show you was that he did this regularly. This was a daily part of his life. But what is so powerful about this particular time was he spent the whole night in prayer. Because choosing these 12 were so important. Because these 12 <laughs> helped change the world. They really did. What else can we learn from the way that Jesus lived? He always had time for God. He always did. 
It didn't matter what his agenda was for that day. You know, I've been in ministry for almost 30 years. And I've been at seasons of my life to when it was almost so busy that I didn't have time for God in the morning because I was going out to do work for God. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> to where you, your routine was in such a way that your schedule was so crazy that, hey, well, I'm going, I, I'm working for God, but I don't have time for you. Well, Lord, you understand, don't you? I'm going to do this for you. Huh. I think we need to learn <laughs> from Jesus and live the way Jesus lived. And that was his routine was to get alone early with the Father. And here's another thing. Jesus always acknowledged he could not do anything apart from the Father. He said, I don't do anything of my own initiative. This is what he said in the book of John. Now think about that. In other words, Jesus said, my, I'm a, I don't have an agenda. My role is to see where the Father is working, and then I'm going to get out there and I'm going to join him. I'm going to get in on the work of the Father. And so he did nothing of his own initiative. He only did that which he saw the Father was doing and working. And so that means we got to be able to look, don't we? We got to be able to see where is God working. And the only way we can be able to see where God's working is to do what? Is to spend time with God to know how he's working. And so Jesus had this part down, y'all. He had this part down. He spent the time. He spent time praying. And then he spent time waiting. Now Jesus healed. It said in this text, Jesus healed. All the people were being healed. Well, later on you'll see that he healed some. He didn't heal others. But Jesus was always doing the Father's will always so that's why in our up part we are to live like Jesus so can y'all say that with me we live like Jesus the up we live like Jesus and so how did Jesus live he spent time with the father in prayer in praise and he spent time waiting to hear what the father had to say was his agenda for the day wow that's some good stuff right there, y'all. And he did all of this coming into our next point. And this leads to the end part, which is so vital. It says he, he chose the 12. He chose the 12. And it gives you a whole list of them. And I did a little study and research into who these 12 guys were. And, you know, uh, we know for sure that four of them were fishermen. So... He chose some old redneck fishermen. Any fishermen in the room? Anybody go fishing? We got a few of y'all. You fishermen, any, any of y'all catch? Any catchers in the room? I'm, I'm a fisherman, but I don't do so good at catching, okay? I know Frankie then went out duck hunting this past week, and he showed me the picture of the one duck they got. And, but that proved they were duck hunting. Amen, you got one. He wanted a whole lot more, but... You know, there's a guy that I, I'm friends with. I've been with him a few times, but this boy goes, he, don't, he doesn't go fishing. He goes catching. There's a difference. Now, I can go fishing with my brother, but listen, this guy, every time on Facebook, he's showing a cooler of fish that he's caught from Lake Oconee every trip he takes. I mean, the guides need to go to that fella because he knows how to catch them. Well, 
four of these guys for sure were fishermen. One of them was a zealot. Now, a zealot, they were either into politics or religion, but they were fanatics about that. Simon was a zealot. We know one of them was a tax collector. That was Matthew. Now, amazing Jesus chose him. <laughs> I bet he was popular among the guys, wasn't he? But anyway, and then one of them ended up being a traitor. And he, by the way, was the one that kept up with the money, the crook among the group. So, but Jesus spent the whole night in prayer choosing these 12. But the end part right here is where we love like Jesus did. We love like Jesus. You know, how does, how does a kid spell love? You th think about it. How does a kid spell love to you? And I'll tell you what it is. It's called T-I-M-E, time. The time we put into a child and invest into a child means everything. You know, the things that I will always remember about my dad is not what he did at work, but what he did with me. Amen? That's what you remember is time. And that's what Jesus gave these 12. He gave them himself for three years is what he did. And he loved them. In fact, he, he spent time and they watched him do so many different things, but he poured himself into these guys. He even loved them so much that he took time to wash their feet. He humbled himself and went around the room, washed their feet to show them how much they meant to him. That, y'all, I don't know if you've ever had your feet washed by someone, but to know after you've seen this man do all the things he's done, and he is God, and you know he is, for him to stoop down and to wash your feet. That's why Peter said, no, Lord. Peter, you know how old Peter was. <laughs> uh-uh. You, Lord, you're not going to do that to me. See, Peter was proud. No, Lord, you don't go wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you won't have any part of me. And then Peter went from no, Lord, to Lord, don't just wash my feet, Lord, wash all of me. <laughs> and Jesus said, Peter, there's no need for that. You've already been washed. He was talking about you're already part of my family. Your feet being washed is a sign of forgiveness and your daily walk with God being clean. That's what it was. But Jesus spent time with them. This was his small group. This was his huddle. This is where they got in a circle. You know, it's one thing that we sit, you're sitting in rows and, and this, is, this is the church. This is the gathering. This is the ecclesia. This is what this means. It's when a church gathers and, and the word of God is proclaimed. But when we have a huddle, that's called our small group. That's when we get together in a circle, whether it's in the groups, the sign-up, or in the back. And there's several of them, and we only have a few groups. We're going to need more <laughs> because more people are going to be coming. And as it does, God knows he's going to provide the leaders for those groups. But it means when you get together in a circle. Now, you know, uh, last week, I don't know if you saw the game between the Saints and the Rams last Sunday. 
but it was at New Orleans at the Mercedes being there. And did you notice how loud those Saints fans were? Did you notice how loud they were? When the Rams got in their huddle, did you notice what the players were doing? The players were actually leaning in to try to hear what the quarterback was saying because that place was so loud. That is called the huddle. And they were leaning in wanting to hear what our leader is saying to us to run this next play because they wanted to make sure they were doing it right. Listen, when God's people come together, this is the gathering, but when God's people really get to know one another and go through the trenches and to find out what you are really like, that's called the huddle. It's called the, the circle. And God desires for us to be in circle and not just only in rows. And so whether it's a small group, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's a, a group on a Wednesday night that gathers, wherever it is, and you know what? You might be thinking, well, what about my family? Yeah, it's, that's when you get around the, the dinner table and when you got your family around you, that's a huddle because that's who you pour in your life into. And some of you has been longer than three years, hasn't it? And you know what? It takes a leader. It takes someone who's leading that time and someone who has it right with walking. We live like Jesus. And then this is where in the circles and the huddles we love like Jesus. You know, it was said, Jesus said these words. How will the world know that you are truly my disciples? How will they know? And Jesus said it, he answered it. They will know by your love for one another. Do you know the most powerful witness in the world is a church that loves one another? Did you know that? It is. It's when a people of God love one another so much that they'll do anything to help. If they see one in need, they come together. They, if they see somebody hurting, they come alongside. But you know what about this group? They needed Jesus, didn't they? They needed Jesus, but you know what? Jesus needed them. And sometimes as leaders, uh, I have, I've done okay with this. I have a huddle of guys I meet with, and then I have the men's group I go to. But listen, we all need a, somebody to meet with that we can be ourselves with, don't we? You know, because, listen, there's things about you that I could come here for, a, for a, a, a lifetime of Sundays and would never know about you. But you put us in a circle and let's get to talking about what we are doing every day and I'm going to find out things about you I never knew. Some are going to be good, some of them are going to be not so good. You know, I've always asked people, well, how did you meet your wife? And some of them would hesitate and they'd go, well, well, well I met her in a bar. So hallelujah. Don't be ashamed of that. You know, go ahead and just say what it is, you know. But you find out all kinds of things. But here's the thing. We've learned to say in our, when we get together with our group, you know, they, if you go to Vegas, they say, what happens in Vegas does what? Do you believe that's true? You, I don't think it's true. The Bible says, be careful, your sins will find you out. Okay? But that's Vegas. We're different than Vegas, y'all. We're the church. 
So what happens in our circle, in our huddle, stays in that huddle. There's some things that I could talk, tell about some of you in this room, and you're going, preacher, you, said, you promised you wouldn't do that. <laughs> you promised. But if I did, I'd break that trust. And I love you so much that I'm not going to do it. And you're not going to do it to me because you would break your trust with me. Isn't that right? So that's what brotherly love. And here's what's also true. Love covers a multitude of sins. Write that one down. Love covers a multitude of sins. So when you really love someone and they do, some, they do a sin, here's how love responds. I'm not going to repeat that to somebody else. Because it would hurt them. And if it would hurt them, then that would prove that I'm not showing love to them. Amen? That's why you don't repeat it. Because love covers. And when you truly love someone, you're not going to be out there repeating what all they've done wrong. Because that's not love. But in, these, in the end part, y'all, it's where we get to love like Jesus. So say that with me. We love like Jesus. We love like Jesus. And we do that. Whether in our family, whether our huddle, or whether in a life group, small group, whatever you want to call them. I guarantee you, the world needs to see the love of God that's in the huddle. That's the church. That's the church. Okay? And so, we've covered the end. The end is what? Oh, you missed it. The end is what? Some of you got it. The up is we live like Jesus. The end is we love like Jesus. And here comes the last one. The out. The out is found after Jesus chose the disciples. He came down and he stood on a level place and the crowds came. And then people started coming to him and he was healing them and Power was coming all out of him, and lives were being touched. And the out is where we lead people to Jesus. We, we share. We talk about him to others. We tell him what, what God has done in our life. And you know, I do know this, that Jesus is the author, and he is the finisher of salvation. It's not our responsibility. You know, not, no one in this person can save another person. No one in this room, let me say that right. No one in this room <laughs> can save another person. No one in this room can save another person. Only God can save them. But what you and I have the responsibility to do is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You know, they say you, can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But someone said you can put salt in his oats and make him thirsty. Amen? You can well, that's what we are. We're salt and we're light. And just like you saw in that video, the light of that one person, the light of God that was in that girl, changed the bitterness in that fellow in that wheelchair's life. And you saw how God continued to work in there. But this is our opportunity to lead people to Jesus. After Jesus had prayed and after he called his team, he sent them out. And here's the, here's the reason we're using the word lead. Because lead means 
a leader. This is where we're leading people to Jesus. It takes the initiative to do something. It's not just saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to let my life be my witness. I've done that. I've been there. I don't have to speak a word. I'm going to just let my life be my witness. Well, you can't just hold on to that one because we've got to let our lips back up our life and let that be the witness. It's always to speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus moved out into the crowd. That's kingdom work. He took the initiative. Jesus invested three years into these guys, and he told them, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send a helper, and he's going to come to live in you, and he's going to be the one who will guide you into all truth. And that helper, friend, for the believers, the Holy Spirit, so we have him. We have him who's going to be helping us in this process as we lead people to Jesus. So this is what's exciting. Here's some of the scriptures that you need to know. Luke 19.10 says, Jesus said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. And who is lost? Everyone. Everyone is lost. Everyone needs Christ. And we all need that, y'all. I've needed it. You need it. But Jesus came for that purpose, to seek and to save that which is lost. You know the Bible says this about him. God desires that no man should perish, no woman to perish, no boy to perish, no girl to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's God's desire. And so he, he got those 12 ready, and he got them prepared, and he told them this. He said, Peter, James, and John, y'all were fishers of fish. But afterwards, he said, this is what I'm going to do to you. You're going to become fishers of men. And so listen, God's calling us out here. God's calling me out here. And he's saying, okay, Mike, how are you doing? How are you doing on your up part where you live like Jesus? I'm doing pretty good there. How are you doing on your end part where you love like Jesus? How are you doing loving the church and loving the people of God? This is the end group right here, okay? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing on the out part, Mike, where you're leading people to Jesus? And that's when most of us kind of pause because we go, well, Lord, that's hard. I don't know what to say. What if they say something I don't know how to answer? Did he not say in that moment, I'll give you the words to say? All we have to do is be a willing vessel to be used by Jesus. You know, I, I heard one time a, a guy corrected me in a powerful way, and, and he, he taught me this truth. He went back to Balaam, and Balaam had a donkey known as an ass in the Bible. And this old fellow said, Son, if, a, if God can speak through an ass, he certainly can speak through you. Now that's kind of humbling to hear, you know. But he put this preacher in his place, and I was like, Really? It was in the Bible. God spoke through a donkey to a prophet. <laughs> if God can speak through a, a mule, a donkey, an ass, whatever you want to call them, God can certainly speak to you, through you and me, my friend, to tell others about the love of Jesus, where we lead people to Jesus. Now, I close with this. 
The reason Jesus was so effective and so powerful in every situation of his life is because he did all three of these things. He did all three. He had the end part right. I mean, he had the up part right. He had the end part right. And he went out every day into the world. And you know, it's so easy to get out of balance. I went to Bulldog Tire on Friday, and uh, I bought my tires down there years ago, but I, I can listen to those tires and begin to tell if they need to be rotated. You know what I'm talking about, guys and ladies? You should. You, you listen. Listen. And then when you hear that, then I went down and I said, you know, it's time to rotate these tires. And boy, as soon as I rotated those tires, they're not making that noise anymore going down the road. So the key to a tire in the longevity of its use is balance. Rotating and balance is the key. The key for you and I in our Christian walk and knowing God, y'all, is balance. And that balance is best seen in where we live like Jesus, where we love like Jesus, and where we lead people to Jesus. Now, I've been, I'll be honest with you, I've been pretty good in a couple of these, and I've been weaker in the other. And what happens a lot of times is if you're good, at, and I'll give you this, if you're good at the in and the out, it'll be a matter of time before you'll be burned out. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're not spending time on the up, you don't have the power to go do the in and out. Does that make sense? That's the key. If you're good at the up and the out, which is mean I'm spending time with God, but I'm not spending, and I'm spending time telling others about Jesus, but I'm not spending any time with the church and being in a circle with people then you know what's going to be the result of that? Is you're going to feel isolated and lonely. You're going to feel like nobody cares what you're doing. Oh God, I'm doing this for you and I'm doing this work out here, but you're not able to experience life with other people. And they can help you through the process, you see. On the end part, where the believers, you know why God commands believers to come together? It's not just, it, the, yeah, the big part is to worship him, but it's more than that, is to encourage one another. Miss Carolyn said it. I look forward to that hug at the end of this service from you. That is priceless. That's where we encourage one another. I get more hugs here on Sunday morning than I do all week. Do you? I, yeah, I hug the brothers, the ladies, I hug sideways, okay? Amen, guys? But the men, I'll grab you. We go chest to chest. We pat each other on the back. We're grabbing the hands like this. What's up, bro? Man, we come together. We're battling. That's the key, y'all. But we all need that. We need that. But what will happen if you don't have the end part is that you'll end up isolated and feeling lonely. Then, then what if you're good at the up and the end? What if you're good at spending time with God and spending time with his church, but you're not doing the out, then that's when you'll begin to experience, God, what am I doing to make a difference in your kingdom? 
how is your kingdom being changed? And you'll feel in it that, that you're not being effective in the kingdom of God. Because you know what makes the balance is up, in, and out. Needing to do them all. So I'm going to give you a graph here at the very end. It's a table, and I want to ask you this question. It's a scale of 1 to 10. You see the 1, 2, 3 is over here, kind of the never, the seldom. Sometimes it's your 4, 5, 6, and then often and always it's going to be 7 through 10. I want to ask you, how am I am a blank on up? I want you to fill in the blank for your life in that area right now. How's your time with God? How's your routine? How's that daily prayer time? How's that walk with Him? Are you spending time with Him every morning, getting up, spending time with the Lord in His Word and prayer, praising, praying for others? That's waiting to hear from the Lord so you can go out and do the work that day. How's my up? And then next, how, how am I doing on the end part? Am I, am I really, am I plugged in at church? Am I spending time with brothers and sisters? Do they really know what's going on in my life? Do they really, am I experiencing life with them? Or am I afraid of that? I do it some, or I do it a little, or I do it always. And then what about the out? Am I sharing my faith with others? Am I, am I engaging? I'll see a leader initiates leading people to Jesus. I'm getting out there and I'm engaging. I'm not just going to sit on the sideline. Man, I, I don't want to be a backup quarterback. I want to transfer. I want to be the starter on a team. I want to be, I want to engage. Hmm. Where are you on that scale? Well, here's the key, church. Our new vision statement at Gratis is, we live like Jesus, we love like Jesus, and we lead people to Jesus. And I believe as we do this, the kingdom of God will be expanded and God will be glorified. And I am so excited to be on this journey with you. And when it's not just me doing it, it's all of us doing this, watch out world because listen if you want to change the world you know how you do it you don't do it through Washington DC you do it through the house of God through the word through people's lives being changed a tragic thing happened in New York State this past week you know how we change New York we plant more churches we see people come to know Jesus, people who know what life is about and are supportive of life. And it's not about them. It's all about him. Amen? That's how we change the world. How do, you know, how, how else do we expect the world to act? They're under the influence of the dark one. They're all about death, y'all. But we are a people of love. We are a people of life. And we're a people of hope. And listen, y'all, we got the greatest message ever to proclaim to this world that needs it so desperately. And there's those trying to redefine Christianity, but I'm going to tell you, you find it right here.
in the person of Jesus. So, let's finish by saying the final three things together. You ready? Don't put it on the board. Take it off. What's the first one? We, you got it. We live like Jesus. And next, we love like Jesus. And then finally, we lead people to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father.